Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me over a new sort of remote system, Google kind of crapped out on us today, so we're trying this on Zoom, is my co-host and partner in crime, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Besides tired we've, of sitting on We've been on, your on floor. a journey. <laughs> we've been on a journey today. Uh, part of the glamorous uh, behind the scenes secrets of making the show is that, you know, we're all staying home because it's a pandemic and that's what we should do. But uh, sometimes the tools that we use to make these things are not functional and we have to find workarounds. And anyway, I hope someone out there is appreciating all of this. Yeah. You know who else I hope appreciates it? Our guest today. Woo! <laughs> um, our regular contributor, Janet Mullaney, is joining us today as well because somehow we couldn't have technological problems with just two of us. So, hey, Janet. It's always better with three. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Thank, thank you for inviting me on. I mean, I'm glad that you've decided to spend a large portion of your day with us because that's how long it's taken to get this going. Well, it's a larger portion than I anticipated, I must admit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's exciting to see someone else, in, someone else in a different environment. I know my cat. My cats were on the Zoom earlier. Baker was trying to like eat the mic. I had to. I thought. I thought that I would. Uh, that they were both asleep and they could stay in here, and that was. Nope. narrator voice that is not what happened so <laughs> yeah max also visited for a minute i had to put him outside um charlotte is now outside the door very unhappy uh, mine too um, because I've someone been here someone is like long. running into the door repeatedly so it's really like if there's strange background noises that's why anyway so what are we talking about on today? with the show we are we're talking about what i think is probably one of the most um unexpected additions to the PBS lineup this year. It is a period drama called Atlantic Crossing, most of which uh, is in Norwegian with subtitles. Yeah, um, I, I think that it will be less of that as we go along. But, um, okay, so let, let's just talk about a little bit about what this show is about. Um, this series is a World War II drama. Um, and the logline for this show is that a princess steals the heart of the president of the United States in an epic drama based on the World War II relationship of Franklin Roosevelt and Norwegian crown princess Martha. So from that description, you would assume that this is, you know, starring or co-starring at, on equal footing uh, the actress who plays Crown Princess Martha, Sophia Hyland, and the actor who plays Franklin Roosevelt, Kyle MacLachlan, especially since Kyle MacLachlan is really quite a big name here in the United States, the way that Hyland is over in uh, over uh, in Europe. And the fact of the matter is, actually, no. Um, other than the prologue, basically, of the first episode, Franklin Roosevelt basically doesn't appear in in at, at the beginning. And um, uh, spoiler alert, as I've watched two episodes, that is also true of episode two. He basically has a few cameo moments. But this show is very much about... Martha and the crown royal family, the crown prince and princess, the royal family of Norway. I, I will tell you that there were a lot of facts that I did not know about Norway that I now know, thanks well, to the show, such as they have a crown royal family. <laughs> actually, also that the king is elected 
by by yes. a bunch of nobles, which is very very ancient. I think it goes back to like um, Viking period. Um, but it's just how they do business there. Um, so, uh, so a little bit like a king's moot from Game of Thrones, something like that. Yes, but fewer dragons and beheadings and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, Janet, talk 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 to us about this show since you are the one who is recapping it. Well. I love this show. It really knocked my socks off. And um, we're really only going to be talking about the first episode today. So I have to be really careful not to give spoilers. Um, I was also a little afraid that after the second episode that the dynamic of the show would change. Um, and you'll see why when we get there. Because it is very like Norwegian focused. Yes. Yeah, the first two episodes very much feel like they don't feel like a show about the princess who steals the heart of the president of the United States. It yeah. literally feels like a show that is basically like The Crown, but for Norway and set in World War II. Well, it's interesting you should bring up The Crown because apparently a lot of Norwegians found this offensive and didn't, oh, really? or for various reasons, didn't like really? it Be because they played fast and loose with history. And that's something I'm probably going to look into at some point and write about because um, I would love that. Because like I said, many facts I did not know yeah, about Norway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, I thought this series was absolutely amazing. And I, as I said, I have watched the whole thing, but we're only, but we're only going to talk about episode one. And one thing that really impressed me in the first episode, this is Masterpiece, folks. And in the first episode, in the first three minutes, guess what? There's a couple having sex. Well done, Masterpiece. You've come of age after 50 years. And and it was very... Oh, my gosh. I was so convinced, though. I spent... Because of that scene, because it showed them, like, being happy, I was fully convinced that uh, Olaf... And I'm going to try to remember to say Olaf and not, like, Olaf from Frozen, mm -hmm. which is basically what I hear every time they say it. I was like, this is, like, low-rent Dan Stevens, and he is 100% going to die. But he made it through the episode. <laughs> yes. I actually ran to Wikipedia, and he and uh, he actually... Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Okay. I haven't looked. I mean, I know this is history. Actually, <laughs> okay. that's dumb. This is history. Mm -hmm. Just say it. But I was really fully waiting for him to be dead. Uh, every... Oh all of them are going to survive. His father rules until the until I believe the mid 1950s. Uh, Olaf then takes over and rules uh, somewhere into I believe the 80s. And uh, the little ba the their their little their little kid. Uh, um um. What's his name? I've totally forgotten the kid's name. Um, uh, I've got it here. Prince Harold. But Prince Harold. Prince Harold is actually rule is actually the the crown prince of Norway today. Ah. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So d don't worry, everybody. No, n other than the dog, everyone survives. Oh, the dog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was really like, there's a website actually called like, does the dog die? I think is what it's called. But basically just tells you like, if animals and media properties survive and suddenly I see the necessity of it. I was really upset about that. Like, I don't, I know Nazis are evil. You don't have to show me them killing animals. I get it. I, I will say that when the Nazis show up, um, they really are quite a, uh, they really are quite the, uh, the, 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 the stereotypical evil, you know, make they're them yes. almost caricatures. But... Yeah, they're not, these are not nuanced Nazis, which I think is probably okay, but also it's really like, wow. <laughs> 
Um, and I, you know, I, I I was aware before I um sat down to watch the show that this was a co-production with both Danish and Swedish uh, public television, and you know that, that this was the first time that PBS had ever done like a co-production with either of those uh with either of those European networks, and so I I sort of figured that there would be and and uh, one of the things that the that was uh emphasized to us in the press um before the PBS panel on this back in February is that it was basically a bilingual show. Um, so I was expecting all of the Norwegian with subtitles. I was expecting, you know, to see people speaking, you know, Swedish with subtitles and probably Danish with subtitles as it goes along. Um, and But I wasn't expecting it to be quite so not actually have anything to do with America at all practically for the first few episodes um I mean honestly the 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 only time we really see Roosevelt in episode one actually was kind of an uncomfortable thing because we've just seen Martha and her husband like screwing on the train and then the next thing we know we're we're at the White House and the president is basically kind of leering over this princess and doesn't want to actually like talk about anything real while Eleanor is bored out of her mind and like actually trying to like conduct like you know international like diplomacy with the prince and like really all Roosevelt wants is for them to go away so he can like you know basically you know low-key hit on a royal um who really wasn't interested in his advances Mm -hmm. um so like yeah it was really weird yeah I thought um I thought that first appearance by Roosevelt was interesting because um, the issue of him having a handicap was very subtly handled. And remember, one of his grandchildren threw a ball into the pond and Olive offered to go and, and retrieve it for the kid so that Roosevelt did not have to show that he you know, would not be able to um, stand up or move around much. You know what's funny help. is I had not even thought of that until you said this, mm-hmm. which I guess is yes. you know some great Roosevelt propaganda at work. Yes. But like, oh, it did. Um, I mean, all the press knew that he needed assistance and he needed calipers to stand and talk at a microphone, but it was never ever mentioned. And they probably knew all about Missy and the very odd relationship um, with uh, with Roosevelt and Eleanor, and uh, and also Eleanor was. Um, giving signals, I thought, to Roosevelt, like, yeah, she's young and pretty, but forget about it. Not again. Not another one. Yeah. What, what are you what are you doing? Your husband is sitting right there. Right. Yes. Like very much like very much. I got that. I got the sense both from Eleanor that she was basically kind of bored with him flirting and she wanted to talk about something serious. Oh, yes. And also that she was just like, oh, the husband is right there keep it in your pants like yeah Mm -hmm. like i very much got both those vibes from her which also made it a very strange kind of opening scene to introduce these two because it does sort of you know i I, i'm aware that like the the whole like me too thing never really crossed over to europe in the way that it has here but here i think it's going to have a very different vibe to viewers than it might have overseas yeah but that was one of the things about fdr wasn't it that he had tremendous personal charm and he and the way which he, is honestly yes. why I, fe- I don't know how I feel about Kyle MacLachlan as FDR because I don't get that from him, and I don't know if that's just because mentally I associate him with with other very specific roles that are not a president of the United States, or if he's just not 
doing it for me as this president of the United States. I don't know. That's interesting because I actually really I actually liked the fact that I didn't see it as Kyle MacLachlan as Roosevelt. I actually felt it was a very good Roosevelt. Um, Yes, I did, too. Twin Peaks lives in your head, guys. Just stays in your head. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with that though, and I do see that, and I also think, you know, this is another thing about like the way this show has been marketed. You know, I, it's not only has it, it, not only is the logline about how you know a nameless princess fall, you know, bewitches the president of the United States. Um, I don't know if anyone else pays attention to these sort of like press tours that actors do to push, uh, programs, but Kyle MacLachlan has been everywhere ahead of this show's debut. Like he was on. Like, like freaking like the morning show with Ke- Kelly Clarkson's like afternoon show and like Good Morning America and like all these other different short shows. So like it's almost like you expect him to be this massive presence when it when it debuts and he's not. I also th- I also think they're taking a very specifically like American focused in the way that they're talking about this show to everybody else. Like because but watching this show, this you really don't get the sense that. it's not at all. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that like you yeah it's it's not that. Roosevelt's not important or that Roosevelt isn't going to like come in and help save the day at some point later. I think we all know that's going to happen. But like the way it's framed to us is like American president rescues like sad lost princess or whatever. But like that's looking at the story from this angle, from the American angle going outward. And this is not like America is not the most important part of the story. Not even close. It's really about Norway. It's really about like how how these how these Scandinavian countries dealt with Hitler and the war and this this desperate attempt to by simply claiming neutrality, hoping that people would just leave them alone. I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit when we talked about World on Fire, but Mm -hmm. it is. But to what I was saying about like the sort of Americanness of it all is that like I was thinking the whole time that I was I've also watched the first two episodes, but it doesn't really uh, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but it's just very interesting how little information like I have been told over the course of my life about this particular sort of uh, front or segment or just what happened in World War Two in Scandinavia. Because I truly, other than, and I mean, it's, Poland's not really Scandinavian, I guess, but like that's the only even part of the world, of section of the world around there that I even know anything about in terms of World War II. Like, at all. And like, when they start reciting dates at you, like, they're like, I, I believe the first one you get is April, like, the evening of April 8th or something. And I'm like, I'm supposed to know that the evening of April 8th was, like, a huge deal and, like, something happened in World War Two, And I'm supposed to even know, like, what year it is? Because it doesn't actually say, like, 1940. It just says evening of April 8th. And, like, I, um, I, like, I instantly paused and ran to Wikipedia because I was like, <laughs> I need to know what's supposed to, I need to know why that matters and why that is the the cryon that I've just been handed. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, I guess, I mean, we're so infrequently asked as sort of American media consumers because, like, a lot of media is aimed specifically at us. Like, like we, we are so, like, everyone knows what December 7th is. But we are not asked to know what other countries December 7th was. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah also, um, I think a lot of series... Um, and a lot of popular culture about Amer- America coming into world into World War Two really concentrated on the British American relationship, mm-hmm. and so this is something we just don't know about. But um, but this was a very dark time of the war because Britain was isolated, and they really needed 
um, FDR to make a decision. And because, you know, countries were falling. I mean, the Scandinavian countries just went down like, um, I don't know, a bunch of Skittles or something. Um, and they were all <laughs> neutral. And America was neutral too. Now, you know, I mean, we're talking about a continent ra rather than a small country. But, um, but I mean, Roosevelt, I'm pretty sure, knew that he was living on borrowed time. He just wanted it to be the right time to get into a war. Uh, so I think he knew it would happen. And um, I also think one of the ways we sort of look at Europe in World War II is that is is that everybody either was France or England. You know what I mean? Like France just was sort of like immediately taken over by Nazis and occupied or England who stood alone fiercely in this like Churchill making speeches, blah, blah, blah. But there were so many other countries whose experience didn't mirror either of those. And we don't really talk about that when we talk about this history of like, what is it like to be one of the one of the countries who declared neutrality, but Hitler just was like, whatever, gonna drive my tanks over you anyway. Like, like, what was that like? And, and also, like, what was the politics like? Like, one of the things that I find, the, one of the things I found really fascinating about the first two episodes for me, um, and I don't, because this is all history, I'm not, I'm not going to consider this a spoiler, but, like, who it was who actually was backing Hitler and who it was in the government who didn't really want to back Hitler but didn't really want to do anything and who really didn't like the Brits and, and who really wanted to fight Hitler. Like, each of the, mm. one of the things, I think, one of the things that we as um, consumers of the British royalty, first and foremost, have this idea that royalty must remain neutral. Right. And that's because that's a thing that that that, that um, we've been taught via not just the crown, but also Victoria and other shows about like British royalty is that whenever British royalty like expressed an opinion, things went badly. So, you know, British royalty royalty should never express an opinion. And so like in I, I think it's in the first episode where like Olaf is basically like arguing with the he, he literally walks up to one of the cabinet members, I think, or maybe a prime minister. And he starts arguing. Why aren't we doing why aren't we prepping? Why aren't you voting to do something why aren't we helping England and I'm like dude you're not supposed to do that you can do that <laughs> well oh. I think I think possibly being on the verge of invasion may um may uh make a difference but also the king the king and the crown prince were also part of the process they were in the cabinet meetings and so that's why. Yeah, there, there's a whole thing about whether or not we should promote him to be like a real person who has authority. And I'm like, you can't do that. He's royalty. Well, I also I also think part of it is the way that now from where we sit looking backward, we all are definitively like Nazis are bad. Mm -hmm. Nazis should be like Nazis. Fascism should be resisted at all costs. Hitler was a monster. He killed six million Jews like all of the like all of these things are true and facts as we know them now but like again as we said about world on fire a lot like while you're in the middle of that happening the idea of survival is a lot more immediate than than whatever it is that hitler stands for like you mm -hmm. know what i mean like you're very concerned with like how do i get my country through this situation not from our position now looking back being like must resist nazis which of course you should always resist yeah. nazis but you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not saying this well, but like, you know what I mean? Like, mm, I think, yeah. I think it's also very different. Like the way we look back on like, oh my gosh, he's acquiescing to Hitler, acquiescing to Hitler. But, um, you know, if that was like, 
at the for the time period like if that's a decision that keeps her people from like being bombed to death that's different mm-hmm. you know like and and when when we have care and i think that that's actually something the show is guilty of is using that knowledge to make us dislike certain characters like they really do like make there there are characters who are revealed to be hitler sympathizers and we are supposed to immediately like when that comes out we are all supposed to be shocked and we are mm-hmm. supposed to be like what a terrible person that is and we're not supposed to consider that maybe they're just trying to save their people well one one of the recurring themes of the scandinavian countries and uh, is that they were all neutral. They expected that Hitler would act like a gentleman and respect neutrality, and then he didn't. And, um, I mean, later on, when Sweden starts to actually barter with Hitler, um, you know, it really becomes crucial. The whole um, issue of neutrality changes, which is why I think FDR felt um, empowered, shall we say, to change the rules on what neutrality actually meant. So he was rewriting the playbook, but that all comes later. Um, I also find I also find this very interesting because didn't World War One teach them anything? No, <laughs> wars don't teach people anything. History repeats itself. But you know, I just loved this series so much, and I was on the edge of my seat during this first episode. Uh, it is just amazing. It is. It is wonderfully tense. Yes, like and moving as well. And maybe I mean, and maybe that's because maybe part of that is helped out by my own ignorance of. Yeah of what actually happened in this place during this time period yes. because while I was watching it it really felt like literally anyone could could die at any moment because well now I know but still yes it also has these big weepy moments and the last episode so that sort of builds up I was I was I, I was tearing up every 10 minutes in the last episode <laughs> really I I yeah. mean honestly like I I didn't tear up in the first episode um and I've, I've watched it twice I watched it once um for the the PBS thing back in February mm-hmm. and then I watched it again like just before we did this podcast because I it had been like two months and I'd kind of forgotten it um mm-hmm. but honestly like I I would say that I or that by the time I reached this end of the second episode I was like choking up over things that I was like this is totally like emotional manipulation and i should not actually be and here i am it's almost like a um like this is us on nbc which literally like writes itself which the writers literally like they they really do like manipulate the hell out of you to make you cry every week and i felt like the show was doing that a little bit and i was kind of like i should not why am i so choked up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um i do i will say also that the performances in this are fantastic especially um crown princess martha like i I, as i said this is the the actress is better known overseas than she is here and i'm really hoping that this is kind of a chance for her to break in over here and maybe get seen by like i don't know some rather large streamers like i don't know hbo netflix hello um i i because honestly like she's fan freaking tastic yes um I would just like to make a plug for this. Um, the clothes are absolutely amazing. <laughs> I always say this on the podcasts. <laughs> no, um, I remember thinking like when but, they get in the car to sort of try to yeah. flee to Sweden. I was yeah. like, I love that it's the middle of the night and she's got to like pack up her kids and, and yeah. whatnot and like run for her she's life. Wearing a she's wearing She's got a, not just a hat, but like a fully coordinated winter appropriate, like winterized cute yes. look. 
Yes. Right. Well, she does travel with her maid, right? Who does yes. her hair? Who we assume does her hair, and we assume she must go upstairs to take off that hat in order to have her hair redone. Um, yes, but women did wear hats a lot then. I mean, it was like, um, you know, you might take your coat off but still keep wearing your hat. It was a thing because hats were very, very fashionable. And she has a magnificent arrangement of hats. And I know I always bring this up on podcasts too, but it's rather like um, the tiny suitcase with the uh, never-ending supply of outfits. In right. It. But I love the fact that she couldn't actually pack her really tiny suitcase. Like she's yes. just like that. Not everything fits. And yeah. it's like, well, of course, lady, you're fleeing. Of course, everything doesn't fit. But make sure you take all the hats because the hats are so good. And the costume, <laughs> I mean, the costumes and, and, and the feel of the period, I thought, were just amazing. Uh, and I, I mean, it was just so well done. The only thing I really hate about the series, I have to get this off my chest, is the theme song is atrocious. Oh, what the heck is that? Like, I don't. I was just like, what does this even have? It's, it's like Titanic or something. Yeah, it has. It has no like similarity to the show for me. Like, it's. I, I will say, like, honestly, when I heard the theme song, the theme song matches that logline. Like, the theme song feels like the song of a show that's all about like a you know a a a, a, a princess totally like accidentally makes a president fall in love with her type mm. like that it feels of a piece with how the show is being marketed except that's not that that's not the show <laughs> right it is very strange that the show that they're telling us this is 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 wildly different from the show that i have like experienced watching i don't know i don't mean that in the bad way i actually think the show that i'm watching is better than the show that they told me they were going to give me oh yeah but it absolutely. is a really weird disconnect yeah yes i mean we really didn't need another show about somebody in a position of power not being able to keep it in his pants no absolutely <laughs> i 100 percent agree i mean but but the fact is that roosevelt more or less did no, well, yes, okay. Um, but like, honestly, like, I, 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 you know, and it's funny because when when I was first told about this show, I did vaguely, like, at the back of my mind, be like, you know, I think I do vaguely remember hearing, like, or reading, like, many, many years ago that Roosevelt had fallen in love with some kind of royalty in his final years, mm -hmm. but that it was all sort of swept under the rug. And I certainly had no idea that it was, you know, the crown princess of Norway or that she was a married woman or any of that kind of stuff um i just i just sort of knew that there was sort of a, a vague thing that people didn't talk about much like you know in the same way that you know his wheelchair use was something we didn't talk about or like you know his relationship with with, with eleanor roosevelt was something we didn't talk about right so i i feel like not that this is being sold this was being sold to me is that thing we didn't talk about but actually it's really about her and this character who like history basically swept under the rug because they didn't mm -hmm. want to talk about like some dude you know, mm -hmm. when actually she did a lot and that she has this, you know, that, that, that she is that she basically did what her husband couldn't do, which was get somebody to freaking join the war and help them. Um, 
right? Like I, I, we don't sisters are doing it for themselves, right? Like I, I feel like this is a, this is a person. And this is why when, when we were talking about the, the, our sort of not spring preview, I feel like this is really such a great pairing with a, a rerun or a re-airing of world on fire, because it's the same sort of thing. It's re it's telling us stories from world war two that we didn't tell before and that we haven't heard and we should. I totally agree with that because like I said, I don't think that, I mean, Americans are, are limited in our sort of international history that we learn anyway. And I, I, I'm honestly embarrassed about how little I actually knew about a lot of what I see in the show, but on a completely different note, well, not really sort of, you know what I really love that this show does. I love that it. Like this is a little I guess this isn't really a spoiler but it's something that thematically happens a little more in the second episode I love the idea that they're they're, that they embrace this whole like uh, like the idea of refugees and people like flee like people being forced to flee their their homelands because of Hitler and and everything else and I think that's really an interesting way to like we don't think about that in terms of this war very often and i thought it was a really especially i mean not to be political but like look around i i think it feels super relevant right now yeah and i will say that the other thing that um this is again more in episode two than episode one the idea that norway would cease to exist as a country Oh yes. Um, and that, that that's something know, how that we wild is that like we never talk about that. That we you know one of the things about we talk about Vichy France as like this you know the French just surrendered, but we don't talk about France ceased to exist. Like it was mm-hmm. never like France was going to simply just be devoured by Germany. It was still going to be France. Well, there was the, there was Alsace Lorraine, which was a piece of country that traditionally had been carved up and shared by just about anybody who felt like walking in and taking it that, that's a terrible <laughs> that's a terrible historical explanation but i i mean when when you i had to go look at a map to understand a lot of this but <laughs> uh, basically you have these scandinavian countries all of the squashed together on a peninsula and look who their neighbors are there's germany there's russia i mean they were not in a good position and also what i thought was really interesting too was that um, the uh, the Norwegian king and the government were all afraid that they would be invaded by Britain because... Yes, I was like, that is that wild. A, yes, because they were afraid that because of their position, they would be used as a jumping off point. They had, the British, well, Churchill wanted to mine the waters around um, Norway um, just to keep... Um, keep the Germans back, but the Norwegians would not agree to it, and they really felt that they had to, that if they threw their lot in with the British, they would automatically get invaded. And also the fact that when the, when the British did agree to come in, when the Allies agreed to come in, it was winter, and uh, you see this in the first episode when they're escaping the car. Nor the Norwegian army skis in camouflage on and. And they can move very quietly and very fast. Um, and of course, what's the use of the British coming? I think actually somebody says this at one point. They can't even ski. Right. Yes. No. That's uh, no. Olive says that he's he, he's like. Um, and it's part of the, the the it's part of the thing smart things that he says that makes people that make people think maybe he should be in charge of some things and actually yes. have some real authority. Well, also he wants to prove himself because he 
I mean, he's young, he's a trained soldier, there's a war on, he should be leading it. He's got this great um, charisma and um, and he's a symbol of of the country far more than his father would be. I mean, he's absolutely right. Of course he should be leading. But, you know, the, the cabinet, I also thought it was very odd that the cabinet and the parliament um, went all went into exile together. I don't know what happened to the parliament. I wonder if there'd be more of them. I thought that was so strange yes. when like 30 people were trying to flee together. And I'm like, this is not stealthy. <laughs> like if you were trying, like if you were trying to hide from German bombers above, which like literally they have to run into the woods at one point to avoid people trying to kill them. Like, yeah. why like- are there, why are there so many of you split up? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to say like, you know, okay. So first of all, of um, unlike most of the other actors other than Kyle McLaughlin in, in this show, um, Olive is actually somebody who we, who British people and, and Americans have probably seen. He was both in The Beforeners and in um, The Last Kingdom. Um, so he's one of the very few faces that I actually recognize from other things. Um, so I found that I was very sympathetic towards him. That, that really helped my sympathy towards him. But also just the fact that like, I, I thought as a character, like he really is someone who's trying to, who's thinking outside the box in a way that everyone else is like trying to think all traditionally. And he's like, no, let's be smart about this um, in a way that I, I, I was confused why no one else really would see the world that way. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I'm confused. OK, so the, his father was elected king by other nobles. Yes. But he's going to inherit explain (laughs) okay now i saw that i'm not sure of that either but i saw it as if he has to run for election as king and he saved his country i mean that's a good argument that is definitely in his favor so it's a political move it was so when he's saying well i sort of came as part of the package deal is he basically saying well i'm basically considering himself the incumbent um in the in the upcoming election when his father dies is that sort of how that works I suppose so, but I think it's more that he wants to prove himself and that he he keeps finding himself having to take his father's side, which is also the view of the cabinet. Because yeah. the cabinet is very loyal to the king, but then but they're but they're not at all interested in Olaf and it's demeaning. And he wants to go out there and save his country. He's young, but he wants to keep his family safe too. Didn't you notice too that when they when they're all travelling together in the trains and in the cars they keep the uh they separate the royal oh, family yes. up so that if they're captured um somebody is left um to escape i that was really like gut punchy for yes. me because it's just another thing i hadn't thought of yeah the the poor son being pulled out of her arms was really oh, yeah. yeah oh and those sweet little children um oh. by the by the way the two princesses are apparently actually sisters in real yes. life um, which oh. I thought was I thought that was really clever because I was like, how did they get two girls that look so much alike? And then yes. I looked them up and I'm like, oh, they're oh, they're, well, they're the real <laughs> sisters. That would that would do it. I will say that the kids are part of a larger problem for me with the show, and that is that I don't I can't. It's so other than like the the quartet of sort of leading people, I have no idea who anyone is. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what their names. I mean, I know who they are in terms of like this is the role they fulfill in the story, but like true life i have no idea what their names are you know i have to admit after eight episodes i have not figured out which sister is which yeah but no idea i'm sure I they're thought, fine but i thought it didn't really matter and i think i can figure it out but um 
Uh, the older one is the older one's name starts with R. I think it's Ra- uh, Ragnhild or something like that. But I only know that because oh, I've now yes. be, because there, she has a birthday and she her name is literally on her birthday hat. And that's the oh, only re- that. That's the only <laughs> reason why I know that she that that's the name of the older one and that the younger one therefore must be Astrid. Oh gosh, I'm making notes here. Thank you. Um, yes. And the only reason I know the other one's name is Astrid is because she is actually like, you know, a, a contemporary of ours who I've seen like, you know, pictures of her wedding when she got married and that kind of stuff. So I happen to know that there is a crown princess, that there is a princess Astrid <laughs> from Norway. Like, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that is the most ridiculous thing. Like, I shouldn't know that, that I shouldn't really yeah. know that. And yet, yes, but I do. On, okay. On the other <laughs> hand, I love the way wow. the family was portrayed. Because they were so mm. so sort of ordinary and affectionate, and um, you know, and and Olaf was this great involved dad who dumped his kids in the bath with their clothes on for a laugh, um, and I thought that was absolutely terrific the way the family was portrayed and they played together, and then and then their granddad comes over for family dinner, and you realise he's the king. I mean, isn't it isn't it like a nice. Isn't it like yeah. a nice contrast? For you? I know we keep yeah. bringing up the crown in relationship to the show, oh, but like yeah. if you think about it, Charles and his kids, it also makes you realize that the Windsor family is really, really screwed up, and that other oh, yes. families yes. aren't yes. like that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Charles. Because, because because my my feeling right from the beginning was that oh, they are such a nice couple. And I mean, obviously, a lot of people in America felt that the press went crazy over over Martha and Olaf, and um, and then you saw them with their children and the informality, and you know there wasn't a lot of bowing and scraping toward them, uh, so they just came over as being sort of fairly nice, normal people, and that is so refreshing after so many depictions of the Windsors. I mean, oh. and their dysfunction. Yes. Yeah, yeah, especially especially the news now. Yeah, like it just yeah. it, it feels re- it, it, I, it's one of the things I like about. It. And yet at the same time, there's also things that I was not as big a fan on, like the fact that we have so we have this couple who are the basically like the lady in waiting and the uh, mm-hmm. and Olaf's uh, what do they call him an adjutant uh, an, adju- an adjutant. Thank you. Um, like the the. Uh, that doesn't that even sound like a real word. That they're that they're this married couple who are so loyal to the king and queen that they leave their children behind. Yeah, they just like peace out on their kids. They're like they can get a oh, bus. It's fine. That was that was actually an unintentionally hilarious moment where they're saying, "Well, we well we have to leave with the royal family. Let's leave the kids a note saying where we've gone and they can catch a bus. They've got a bus schedule. They're good." Yes, I I was I was I said you're. Your country is being invaded. Right? And you think the buses are going to be running? <laughs> Especially because the mom had like legitimately just been like super worried that like her red cross drill was not in fact a drill. And yes. so now she's just like guess you'll just have to get the bus. Right? And 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 like that very loser. much that very much felt <laughs> that very much felt to me like a like a like a holdover from the Downton Abbey, like the the Downton Abbey stereotype of the of the of the happy, frolicking, loving, uh, uh, you know, pastoral servants who 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 desperately want to serve, right? Like that very much felt like like a holdover from that, which is probably one of the least realistic things about Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but wasn't it interesting too that the two teenage kids, um, uh, that was uh, Ulla and Rolf. They had a better grasp of what was going on than their parents did, both of whom 
were part of the court life and part of the royal family's life. And um, and so they they were getting prepared. Um, and the rest of the country there's, uh, was, I mean, in no way prepared to for an invasion. There's one point where Olav looks at the sky and because uh, the, there are planes coming over, said, no, it's all right. They're ours. They're old. <laughs> I loved that <laughs> moment. Like, the Germans don't have anything that old. Like, I was just <laughs> like, damn. Way to totally neg on your own army. <laughs> Well, although if you think about it, like I did not expect Norway to have an army, like, and I don't, and I don't know, I don't know if why. You're neutral, no, because you're neutral. So why would you need one? Probably because of where they were. Mm, okay. I mean, even even now, no, fair. I, I just why would you fund? You wouldn't fund if you're if you're being neutral. You wouldn't fund your army to the hilt because you're like I'm neutral. We don't fund our armies because we have one, but we don't really use it very much. Or like we don't want to look like a threat. There was a lot right. of the, yes. the sort of there was a lot that was a big concern in in this. We don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> They're like, well, we can't do this thing because it looks like we might we might be against Hitler. Yeah, right. I, I anyway, I just I I found I found this show to be far more interesting than it was billed. Yes. Um and I have to say I really really like it. Um I'm really looking forward to like, you know, now that I as I said I stopped after episode 2. Um episode I assume with episode 3 we are finally going to, you know, get to America. Um though actually maybe not. I mean, the the show is called Atlantic Crossing and the crossing of the Atlantic is real real long people. So for all I know we might not really get to America until episode four. Um, but yeah, like I'm sort of I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how much of this show is really just about her and really all about her in a way that hasn't been sold to me. I mean, I hope all of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. really know that I need another FDR story. Yeah. I, a, I mean, yeah. great presidents save the world, et cetera, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. did not know this other woman existed until this show happened. So I would I would not mind it if it was just about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's a terrific show, and I think everybody should watch it. And thank you, Masterpiece, for getting this show because it is wonderful. Uh, truly, though, I would never have seen this had Masterpiece like not brought it over. Clearly. And, and and the best part is that this show was not even really on Masterpiece's radar until last year when the shutdown happened. Um, I talked about this a little bit, that the, uh, the, the head of Masterpiece basically had a panic attack and said to herself, well, w- what if the shutdown isn't just 10 weeks? I-, I need to get stuff just in case. And like she raced out and this is one of the things she grabbed. And like, mm-hmm. I'm really thankful she did because otherwise Masterpiece wouldn't actually have anything because guess what? It was a lot longer than 10 weeks. Um, <laughs> right. Unfortunately. And, <laughs> but at the same time, like I'm, this is, this is such a great, like accidental outcome of a crisis that we base that, that, that of the crisis of 2020. I am really mm-hmm. interested to see how American audiences respond to this. Like we're recording, we're recording this episode before mm-hmm. anybody's even really seen it who aren't critics. So I'm mm-hmm. intrigued. Like I want, I want to believe that we will embrace this story. Yeah, I want to believe that masterpieces viewers are discerning enough. Yeah, I, I want to believe that this show will be uh, th- that this show and 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 World on Fire will become two really big shows here, mm-hmm. and that we can. I, 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 obviously, I don't think this is going to have a, this doesn't get a season two because it's a miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I, I, I I'm really hoping that audiences embrace this one. 
Well, I hope it makes World on Fire step up its game, quite honestly. Hmm. I would like to, I, yeah. I I do, Annie, like your sort of thought about the, these two shows kind of being in conversation a little with each other in some ways. And I mean, I'm learning a lot more than I learned in history class about World War II. So. Oh, me too. <laughs> I need to go to Wiki, clearly, because I was just, yeah. I also have got to stop calling Olaf Dan Stevens in my head because he <laughs> oh. just really looks like kind of low rent Dan Stevens. I mean that in a positive way, like very few people are Dan How Stevens. How can low rent be positive? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, because like no one else is going to equal the level of Dan Stevens. Come on. Yeah. Sub, like second tier Dan mm-hmm. Stevens. Maybe that's better. Maybe that yeah. has less. He was less Ragnar negativity. and Ragnar the Younger in The Last Kingdom. Did you not watch The Last Kingdom? No. Oh, okay. I started. I thought it was too silly. <laughs> okay, yes, I will agree. It is a very silly show. Um, but also, like, I, I, I really loved him in that. And so, like, yeah, I don't think of him as a low-rent Dan Stevens. Um, all right. I think that is probably as much as we could talk about without spoiling people for things that are coming. Since this show, in case you guys didn't know this, because I did not, it's eight episodes long. For some reason, I thought it was, like, five or six. But we will come back to this later in the season, I think, to do a longer conversation on on how it turns out so if you're into the show keep your eyes well i guess ears really is more appropriate here open for that uh later this spring so janet tell the people where they can find you on the internet well i'm on facebook but i don't do much there and i'm on twitter as janet underscore Mullaney. and uh, i don't constantly do much there either but um, I am there. You're you're really not selling yourself here, my friend. <laughs> I never do. I, I I just sort of get tired of tired of social media. I'm, it is um, a, it is a bit exhausting. I'm re- I mean, really, I'm I'm on Twitter at the moment because there are lots of baby lambs, and um, also piglets and calves <laughs> of the accounts I follow. You you follow farm Twitter? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right. Yes. Not sure yeah. I knew that farm um, Twitter was a thing. Yes. Oh my gosh, every Twitter is a thing. There's cat Twitter, there's yes. dog Twitter, there's yeah. everything Twitter. Anyway, Annie, where do you live on Twitter and elsewhere? Uh, I am at Annie Bundle on Twitter. I am at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my adorable cats on Instagram at Annie Bundle. Um, let's see, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I also uh, write regularly for televisions.org, plus I freelance around the web. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for the latest thing I wrote, just basically follow me on Twitter and be my friend, because I retweet all of my bylines there. Huzzah! I am also on Twitter, but I am at LaceyMB, L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I write a lot here at televisions, but also elsewhere around the entertainment web. And I always also tweet my book. I also always tweet my violins. I clearly need some coffee or something right now. Uh, My cats, if you just want the adorable fuzzy content, are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. And you know what else you could do is follow the site and the pod on social media while you're following all of us. It is at telly underscore visions on Twitter. And Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you have thoughts about subtitle television, Atlantic Crossing, or World War II history in general, shoot us an email at televisions at weta.org. And we will probably be impressed by your knowledge, because as I have demonstrated, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, 
We are at televisions.org. And if you like what we do, click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it and support public media at the same time. That is our show for this week. As per usual, as the cherry blossoms are blooming here, even though it's freezing and spring is happening and there are animals on Twitter and my cats are physically running into the door at this moment. So this is wild. But uh, please take care of yourselves. Wear a mask, social distance, hand sanitizer, all the stuff that the experts say you should be doing and get vaccinated when you can because I know y'all have got to be tired of me saying this at the end of every episode and I would like to stop. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs>